Welcome to Small Biz Brainiac, providing employer intelligence that helps you navigate the regulatory landscape and keep you on course running the business you love. Here's your host, Thomas Rock Lindsay. Hey, everybody, welcome to episode 28 Workers' Compensation Claims and Telecommuters. My name is Thomas Rock Lindsay. I'm your small business ally, instructor, and servant. I'm here to help you thrive in your role as an employer. This is your source for employer intelligence, and I teach small business owners to become employer brainiacs in about seven minutes every Tuesday and Thursday. Now, on our last episode, we learned about how employee injuries while traveling are treated for work comp insurance purposes, and today we're going to talk about how this insurance impacts telecommuters. Let's rock this. So telecommuting's become very popular. According to one study, 37% of American workers telecommute at least part of the time. And companies are taking advantage of the benefits of working remotely, like increased productivity and employee retention. As a result, more and more people are working from home. Now, before we get started, I wanted to let you know that I am actually in Atlanta today. I, I just arrived, and I'm in a hotel. So I don't know if there's going to be any background noise. If there is, please uh, forgive me for that. So a quick side story about the plane. Have you ever been on a flight when you arrive at the gate and the people in the aisle across from you jump up real quick and grab all their crap out of the overhead compartment and stick it in the aisle so that you can't stand up too? That happened to me. It's happened to me a couple of times recently, and it's like some kind of crazy trend. I don't know if they're letting out amateurs fly now for free or what, but uh, I just wanted to get that off my chest. Anyway, let's start this episode off with a true story. Now, this is about a custom decorator, Mary, who worked from home selling window treatments, upholstery, bedding, and pillows. She worked for JCPenney, and she worked out of her van. She was required to keep current samples of all the materials with her when she was going to appointments, and she stored excess items in her garage at her employer's request. This was convenient for JCPenney because it saved them money on storage. As she spent most of her time traveling to and from customer appointments, but she also worked at a company studio, I think it was one day a week, and she also worked from home, you know, preparing bids and other paperwork. Now, on a particular day, she was walking from her, her home to the garage when she stepped on her dog and fell. And she filed a work comp claim, which was denied, and the decision was subsequently upheld by the work comp board, which is the first stop for any claim dispute. They denied it on the basis, or they upheld the the denial, on the basis that it did not arise out of her employment because the risk was not work a work-related exposure. So the the dog kind of being the the element of risk that is not they're claiming part of uh, a work exposure. Now the arguments go back and forth over whether or not Walking from the house to the garage is work, and whether or not the risks surrounding that journey, i.e. the dog, are hazards of her employment. J.C. Penney argued that the injury arose out of personal risks, not employment risks. And they tried saying that she is not a traveling employee. I don't know why they tried to say that. And that she was subject to the going and coming rule, basically saying that the work was in the garage and going from her home to the garage was the same as an employee leaving home and driving to the office, which we talked about in the last episode. After an extensive analysis, the Court of Appeals decided that if the employer 
requires the worker to provide the work premises, then the risks that are encountered at that premises, even if they're outside the employer's control, are risks that arise out of employment. In this case, the premises was not just the garage, but the house, because she would work from the house on occasion, preparing bids and quotes. Now, they overturned the decision and granted the claim. And the court wrote that if claimant tripped over a dog and injured herself while meeting with a customer at a customer's home, her injury would arise out of her employment. So the same is true here because the claimant was where she was, doing what she was, because of the requirements of her employment. So this claim highlights the complications associated with employees who work from home and the fact that you, as the employer, can't control the risks that your employee is exposed to. Now remember from the last episode that a work comp claim must arise out of and occur in the course or scope of employment to be covered. Now, arise out of typically means that there's a casual connection between the conditions under which the employee worked and the injury, and in the course of employment has to do with the time, place, and circumstances of the accident. In J.C. Penney's case, the court's ruling essentially says that as long as the employee is working, any risk existing around the house, including animals, are exposures that could lead to a work comp claim. Mary was working when she was walking from the house, a place where she worked, to the garage where she was going to get a sample. So the accident happened in the course of employment. And then where they maybe stretched it a little is by saying that the dog is a hazardous condition that existed in the work environment that the employer established. So how do you limit your exposure as an employer? Well, other than conducting regular inspections and applying loss control techniques that might not be worth the time and effort, the best way to limit telecommuter claims is to clearly define the workspace and the job responsibilities by creating a telecommuting policy. I've put a link in the show notes to a sample policy from Workplace Analytics website. The policy should define the requirements for the workspace. You'll want to establish what the workspace consists of and require the employee to keep it clean, clutter-free, and hazard-free. The workspace should be ergonomically sound and the type of work and working hours should be defined. The idea is that by doing this, you'll have a clear picture of what would be considered a work comp claim. In the sample policy, it states that the company will be liable for injuries or illnesses that occur during the employee's agreed-upon work hours, but I wouldn't include that in my statement because if the employee decides to do work outside the working hours and is somehow injured, it would be a covered claim. Nonetheless, by defining these things ahead of time, you'll have a good defense against a claim that is non-work related. Well, there you have it. Let's recap. Now, in order to limit your exposure to telecommuter work comp claims, you should focus on defining the workspace, working hours, and the duties to be performed, and make sure that the workspace is adequate for the job and that basic housekeeping is done. If your employee's a hoarder or runs a kennel, you might not want to offer them the option to work from home. You need to be a little bit selective. But don't let these obstacles prevent you from offering telecommuting where it otherwise makes sense. Well, that's a wrap. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day. Thanks for listening to Small Biz Brainiac. To get your questions answered by Thomas directly, visit smallbizbrainiac.com. And for more employer intelligence, be sure to join us again here on Small Biz Brainiac. Small Biz Brainiac.